Welcome back to Farcast, everybody. We got two special guests in the house. We've got a couple of rifle masterminds from the Pueblo of the Western Slope Grand Junction. We got Matt Means from XLR and Grant Gillespie from Viking Armament. What's, What's up? up? What's up, my white brethren? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going downhill already. Frank, you're brown. That shit doesn't yeah. count. It's, it's called affirmative action. So there needs to be one brown person in the in the house. Uh, so you guys, how'd that? you know work out you you guys just partnered up as far as you're kind of the the builder and then you guys work all the r&d design on the the chassis yeah yeah so xlr just builds the chassis systems and a lot of different accessories for them um so yeah i just reached out to grant was like hey dude let's build a rifle for snyder put the new 3.0 magnesium on there and he's been just building hammers like Every time Grant has a rifle finished up, he sends groups or posts pictures, and they've been stellar. So we reached out to Leopold, got a scope, and he took it from there. I got him to chassis, and he's uh, he's the one that handled everything else on getting her built up. So it's it's legit. It's a pretty sick rifle. There's a pile of questions that came through, so you're gonna you're gonna have to do the whole full rundown of the build from barrel, trigger, everything, um, weight, all that. I. Uh, you guys were asking me like I know what the fuck I'm doing, right? I'm an archer. I just I wanted a gun. I liked Frank's last year that he was using, and then uh, obviously you and your brother, uh, you guys are super cool. So it all made sense for the for the build. Um, if I shoot one animal a year with a rifle, I'll be doing pretty good. But if anybody comes up my driveway, I definitely wouldn't mind peeking over the you know balcony with that thing and scaring the fuck out of them. So that's always a bonus <laughs> too. <laughs> well, that's when Matt first approached me about this. I was a little bit confused uh, just due to the trad life i was i was like man we're gonna snyder's gonna shoot a rifle yeah. it just a little bit caught me off guard <laughs> i've shot a few animals with a rifle in fact um i told this story before my my grizzly it was uh they were you know banned grizzly hunting in bc so i was just gonna keep coming until i killed one of the stick and they were like hey it's they're gonna they're gonna ban it so when anyway it's last night if you see one shoot it and bart uh, Lancaster's like five five on a tall day, and he had a one and a half to four loophole on a, a three oh eight, and uh, it came out. So I just grabbed the gun. You know, I had my recurve, and it was way out in this field. And I grabbed the gun and a couple extra rounds, and I'm running down the road to get closer. And I look, and I see it said three oh eight, and I'm like, oh fuck. And I'm like ballistic coefficient, and I'm like guessing, right? I, I don't know what it is, but I'm like thirty six. Oh shit, that's like four or five feet, and. I, I killed it, right? I know it was 400. You saw how far it was when I yeah, shot it. Yeah, it's a big field. Yeah, I, sh- I hard shot it first shot with a one and a half to fucking four loophole, but it scoped the shit out of me because Bart, I literally, the first time I laid up on it, the scope was like back here on my eye. I'm like, God, Bart's a midget. <laughs> so that one, and I shot a moose with um, a rifle and then uh, shot the wolf with that same 308. That that wolf I shot up in BC was uh, with that grabbing out of the truck and running and shooting. So I'm not opposed to grabbing a gun. I just usually can fill my hunts up with the recurve. But as people were asking questions yesterday, I'm like, other than the caliber, you know, and the chassis and the scope, I have none of the finer details of it. So yeah, give us the rundown. So we uh, started this build off of a uh, Lone Peak Titanium. It's a uh it, a very very lightweight action uh, one of the best on the market we we went through a bunch of different actions and we've we've gone over a, a lot of them to kind of decide exactly what we want to run with with all these builds and um, it's paired up with a 20 inch proof Sendero light one and seven and a half twist with a three port titanium muzzle brakes and more muzzle brake on it it's got a trigger tech special trigger, adjustable one to three and a half pounds. That guy's set at about one and a half, uh, one and a half to one point seven five, somewhere around there. Um, and then we obviously put that into the XLR magnesium 3.0 chassis, and it's got the carbon buttstock on it and the carbon grip. And then it's got some some Leopold rings, and then that Mark V to top it off. And total, it's running right around eight pounds. 7.9 to 8 pounds, and uh, it's about 31 and a half inches when folded. That's, yeah, definitely that's one thing I noticed with, with Frank's last year with that chassis. It is super handy for, for mountain hunting and getting around strapping it to the pack. What, the, you know, the, the, the 6.5, you guys were basically saying I can run factory 147 grain ammo out of that. What kind of groups were you getting with that? So the, the PRCs, there's very, very few calibers out there that I'd fill even somewhat confident taking some ammo off the shelf and being able to go shoot 
consistent groups um, and and have the ammo perform like it's supposed to. Um, Hornady came up with these PRCs. It's a 300 PRC and a 6.5 PRC, and both of them were just seeing unbelievable performance with factory ammunition. And out of this this 6.5 PRC, we're running the 147 ELD matches, and they they both. I mean, there's only been 20 rounds down this gun. And the first three shot groups were both under a half inch. Uh, me shooting one group, Matt shooting another group. We verified our zero yardage. Matt put two shots in a gong at 400 touching and then shot a clay pigeon first shot at 625 yards with it. So uh, so you're, you're saying there's a chance. If, <laughs> if, 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 if Aaron can't kill something with it, he definitely needs to stick to the trap. Yeah, line. no shit. When, when there's <laughs> rounds in the air, there's hope. <laughs> what uh, so the scope-wise, a lot of guys were asking as far as uh, MOA or mill dot. What, what's your guys' opinion on that? You know, the two choices, what guys should run with and why, things like that, and then what that scope is as well. So from a, from a hunting perspective, from my perspective, uh, I've always ran MOA. Um, as far as the majority of hunters I know, I know they run MOA. Um, it, to me, is easier to run. I really like the MOA reticle, and uh, I, I, it's just something that I've always used. It's kind of personal preference. Matt will tell you a little bit about the mill side of it. Matt's always ran mills. Uh, the majority of competition shooters that I know run mills, but it, it comes down to a lot of, lot of personal preference. Uh, they both got pros and cons, but at the end of the day, it's a pretty similar concept. But Matt, what do you think about the mills? So yeah, I, I ran MOA forever just because that's, like you said, what everyone else ran. It's, uh, you know, min of angle, which then you can correlate over to inches, which we obviously being in America can relate to that. Um, so when I first started wanting to get into competition shooting, everyone was like, oh, you got to run mills, you got to run mills. And it seemed like this daunting task, like, frick, what am I looking at? millimeters meters like i don't know how to do that i don't know how big it is so it seemed really confusing at first but when you actually look into it, it's not all it is is just a unit of measure you're using your reticle to accurately make adjustments and that's it so the moment you get your head over mills or moa it doesn't matter i can go from both scopes as long as you put in the correct you know stuff into your ballistics calculator your barometric pressure your altitude whatever you need it's spitting a number out and you're dialing for that and you're holding it. It's as simple as that. So like the reason you see competition shooters all tell you you need to shoot mills is just because then it's convenient when you're talking to each other about wind holds, talking to each other about ballistics, it's all related, right? It'd be the same thing as if someone's like, hey, I shot this big of deer and they mentioned it in a different measurement than inches. You'd be like, what the crap are you talking about? Like they're like, oh yeah, water displacement you wouldn't know what they're talking about. So it doesn't really matter. It's preference, whatever. We set you up with an MOA because I knew Frank shot MOA. And now you guys can talk about it and know what you're talking about. That's what I told Reza just for the simple fact that's all I knew. <laughs> so I was I just, I, she, she asked and I said, honestly, as far as preference, I don't have one. I just only know MOA and that's just from hanging out with, with hunters. And as far as, you know, being in the military and going back and forth from metric to standard doesn't bother me, so I'm sure it wouldn't, wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But the chance of me shooting farther than five 600 yards is relatively slim, just for the simple fact I'm used to getting 20 yards or feet from something. So 600 will be, you know, maybe eight, I guess. I don't, we'll have to go out and shoot it. And luckily here we've got a lot of places we can shoot out to 1,000. What would you say, um, you know, with that gun on a mule deer, I mean, what would you push that thing out to as far as legs goes? So, um, given ballistically speaking and uh, the energy behind the bullet, <clears throat> with with that 20-inch barrel, it does slow down just a little bit. But as far as ultralight backpacking and stuff, the again, there's pros and cons of everything. But uh, that that 20-inch, just being able to break it down, put the whole rifle in your backpack, makes it amazing. And uh, with losing a little bit of speed, um, I, I mean, it, talking energy behind the bullet, you're still you're still sufficient to kill a mule deer out to 950 yards. If you're looking at the numbers, it's usually what I what I run uh, as far as on those on those six fives, as far as the caliber around that range, uh, you can pretty much take 1,800 feet per second. And so when you break down your sight chart and look, eight, that 1,800 on that that rifle right there is still you're still pushing 1,800 right around right around. Um, a thousand yards. So when he's talking about the 1800 feet per second, that's kind of like what a lot of your bullet manufacturers have as like a minimum velocity for proper bullet expansion. 
now there's some over the years like Nosler when they came out with their Acubon long ranges. Um, they bumped theirs down to like 1200 saying, hey, you can be all the way down to 1200 feet per second and you'll still get proper bullet expansion. So he's just saying you can look up those numbers and it will tell you projected velocities at different ranges for proper expansion. Now, as we all know, you can have animals do crazy stuff where you could have a well-placed shot. The bullet could have done its work, but that animal can still go. So anytime you get closer, it's always better. I wouldn't say go shoot a deer at a mile by any means. Unless, Unless you're, you're from Idaho. Unless you're from Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's a lot of people that, uh, not saying nobody ha- has done it, but when I started kind of jumping into that 20-inch range, um, coming from an ultralight hunting background and, and hunting doll sheep in Alaska and stuff like that, there's everybody is always looking for weight savings and size savings on on the rifle or no matter what it is they're doing. Everybody ultralight is always looking for weight savings. And that, that 20 inch, when I started putting those together, there was some other gunsmiths and other builders and stuff out there that were saying you're crazy to crazy to throw a 20 inch on there. But as far as performance wise, it's still running. That 147 ELD match is still running around 2820 to 2840 from the muzzle. Whereas even if you're running a 26 inch, you're only going to gain about 60, 70 feet per second at the muzzle. Kind of picking flesh it out of chili. So the little bit um, that I studied on this, you know, trying to, because I know I was going to get asked these questions. Um, the difference between 20 and 24 was less than 100 feet per second, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, it, it'll vary with caliber and yeah. load, but, but with roundabout. this specific with this specific load, um, um, I've loaded off the same action, you know, same barrel contour and same twist when you're running a 20 inch to a 26, it's going to be less than 100 feet per second. Yeah, and I mean, for, for me and a lot of the guys that were asking me questions about this, it really doesn't matter. It'd be probably be like you guys asking about arrow builds. You're like, just get me an arrow that'll kill something and yeah. it's decent. And, you know, f- I mean, tr- truthfully for me, like, I mean, you know, four to 500 yards, 600 yards is pretty easy for me to get, you know, that distance from, from anything within reason. So 100 feet per second, I'm like, does that, e-? I mean, I'm, I'm that retarded when it comes to i'm like does that even fucking matter you know because that's like 10 feet per second on an arrow yeah not really that big of a deal so i was like when guys were asking me about the barrel length and i said well i think they mentioned 20 inches it was worth it to me to have the compact and the lighter weight so and when when people mention oh you're losing that speed you know when it gets out to you know a thousand plus as far as having the energy there to back the bullet and actually on paper say, yeah, this will kill an animal at, you know, 950 yards. Regardless, there's there's people that get such a misconception that just because they have a custom rifle and a custom turret and they can dial that rifle and look at their ballistic calculator and shoot at 1,500 yards, there's people that think that they can kill animals at 1,500 yards, which it's happened, it does happen, but um, there's, there's definitely a lot of people that'll buy a by a long range system and just think that they can take it, not learn it or anything and just go f- start flinging lead. But yeah, there's... I've, I've seen it actually. Um, in fact, the Lancasters, I think that's probably anytime you tar- start bringing up long range, they get a little twitchy. Um, just for the simple fact, you know, if you can do it, like they'll let Pinch shoot at whatever distance he wants to shoot. But you know, w- they see a lot of, um, which I don't know, is it best of the West or whatever has the range finder out to a thousand by the gun and then the guys don't even sight it in, grab the gun, yeah, range there's, finder. There's a few that do that now. That'll make Clay slap the shit out of somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He gets pissed quick. Cause he's like, so you didn't shoot this? And they're like, no, no. And he's like, and you're going to shoot something at a thousand yards. He, anyway, he, he, it gets frustrating for him. The guys don't put the time in behind the rifle and just think they can, they can buy accuracy and you can buy the accuracy in the gun, but not in the, not in the shooter or the human. Do you see a lot of that as a guide? Because you uh, guide, you guide oh, yeah. up in Alaska yeah. as well, right? Um, and and again, people can people can take that rifle and and just because their rangefinder says, oh, you know, it's a thousand yards, click to nineteen and a half minutes. They think they can just click in and shoot. But shooting across canyons, different variables. There's so much that goes into it. And and I've gotten arguments with people that they're like, oh, this is a this is a 30 cal bullet. The wind's not going to affect it at all. It's fine. <laughs> but a 10 mile an hour wind at a thousand yards, that's variant across the Canyon is comes into huge play. Yeah. And, I learned a lot with John and, and Avery with the wind calls and, and uh, you know, especially with glaciers involved up in on the goat hunts where you've got 
one wind went going one way and then the pressure from the glacier going another and then shooting a thousand yards across the canyon like trying to quantify that what the wind call is and I, I Avery shot at a moose and shot you know, eight inches behind its ass at a thousand yards and I'm like well you're you know archery guy good elevation good height man you're just a little right and he's like well how far right and I'm like fuck I don't know you missed the moose it's right man you missed the whole body well I'm not a long range guy so looking at that I thought it was a creek down below that I was hearing yeah it was the wind and yeah. so whatever that <laughs> wind was in the middle of the canyon it pushed that bullet four feet and that was a that was a 300 so no that was a 338 um so what would you say the drift is at a thousand yards with a 300 grain bullet with a 15 to 20 mile hour wind uh it would be it'd be tough to say I'd have to I'd have to look at it with a as far as a 300 grain bullet goes um but it I mean, it's again, it's variant with all different calibers, and it depends entirely on how fast that bullet's going. You know, there's there's different calibers that are pushing a pushing a 300 grain bullet at 2200 feet per second versus 3100, 3200 feet per second. So I think the what he had was firing just over 3000 feet per second. I think it was a 338 plus P is what it was. Yeah, um, Terminator plus P. And yeah, his defiance edge. It 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 uh, it drifted like a motherfucker. I do know that. I was surprised. And you know, being a guy that obviously is not into this, it was an eye opener for me. That wind call is is more important than just about anything and it's a big variable that you, I mean, you just only know, I guess, by practicing. Absolutely. Time, anything. And I know you'll obviously spend as much time as anybody behind it and learning it and feeling comfortable with it. But it's, and there's a bunch of other companies that say, oh, a thousand rounds out of the box. And it, it just, it, it gives people such a misconception that, and I believe it wounds a lot of animals because people think that they can set up at a thousand and just send it and. Yeah, yeah, you you said a thousand rounds out of the box. You you or meant yards, thousand but, yards out of the box. Yeah. But yeah, and, and and maybe in the right person's hands with a little tinkering, a thousand yards out of the box, knowing yeah. what you're doing is feasible. Yep. That's the problem. Is when I started watching those guys go to work. One, there's nothing fast about long range shooting, so you have to have the animal actually standing in one spot, and then getting a rangefinder to range. I don't think people realize the not every rangefinder is created equal. So getting one to range at that distance accurately is a problem. And then the wind call. And then the other thing, you know, this is from a greenhorn perspective, dialing that fucker into 28 and actually finding the animal was not the easiest thing in the world to do, especially a black bear in a black forest walking through trees. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm looking through a BB here. Yeah. This sucks. So there's a lot more into it. It's an art. Uh, I guess is what I'm saying. It's an art form. Uh, it's pretty pretty crazy watching those guys do that. Well, and it's easily lost too. Like you talk to people like John Pinch or Brian Pence, you know, like you see them just rock and rolling, right? You see John out there just killing it, winning, and all of a sudden he takes a streak off because he's off hunting or he's busy with work, and then he goes back, and you're like, man, what happened? You didn't win it. You got six, and he's pissed. You know, he's upset over it, and you have to constantly grinding, always getting that trigger time, and I always laugh when I talk to people, and they're like, oh, I shoot a bunch, you know, especially on Junction, like you said, you know, Western Pueblo, you get some trashy people that go out there and shooting TVs and whatever, and you're like, oh, yeah, how much do you shoot? Oh, at least 100 or 200 rounds a year talk to john pinch you know the guy probably fuck i don't know twenty thousand plus rounds i'd imagine so it it is something you have to always be looking at and set those limits just like archery right what's your actual effective range and then you take the wind in effect like i've had plenty of times that i've been in my effective range but i haven't pulled the trigger because i just cannot get a good read on the wind or didn't feel comfortable in that strong of wind placing the shot because you get farther and farther out in distance and you're off by a mile per hour on your wind call and you can miss a whole half body length off of a moose right so yeah i think we were probably closer to 10 to 15 miles off on the wind call um, <laughs> on that specific shot but yeah it uh as far as what what you offer at, at xlr at the different chassis kind of go into that because there was a ton of guys once they saw that stock and it was foldable they're asking me shit i had no idea what what are your i mean what are some of the different options and where they're applicable so XLR started up uh, in 2010 and it was really just focused on, yeah, extreme long range, tactical application, law enforcement, so on and so on. And hunting was never really in the vision. Um, about three years ago, I started kind of doing a lot of marketing research, looking into it, seeing that there are a lot of avid hunters out there using them, whether it be for their families or just for the adaptability for different clients when it came to uh, outfits. And 
we just needed to come out with a product that was actually tailored towards them. So the new Element 3.0 magnesium with like our carbon components, we even have like a little 3D printed titanium grip, really catering towards that lightweight crowd. Um, but it's just much more modular, a lot more adjustable and adaptable for different shooters. Um, you know, it's not for everyone. Some people, I think a lot of times just have bad misconceptions that they look at it and think, oh, that must be heavy because it's made out of a material that's not wood or carbon or synthetic. So once they pick it up, like every person I've ever put one of these in their hands, they're like, holy crap, I can't believe this thing's 28 ounces. You know, that's kind of like the starting weight. And then you add the, you know, fact that you can fold it, you have the adjustable cheek weld, then can actually tailor it to the type of hunt you want. So easily be able to put different accessories onto the forehead, whether you want to be able to use a bipod, different types of bipods, you want to clip into a tripod. You don't have to constantly be carrying that and you don't have to worry about really damaging it, right? Like last podcast with Frank, Frank, you cracked your stock in half trying to put an accessory on there because you have to that. actually modify the stock <laughs> where chassis is plug and play. So Right now, it's we definitely have a lot of hunters reaching out, and they're hesitant because they've just never put their hands on one, or they have, and it's one of the more tactical models or competition ones, right? You pick up one of these PRS rifles, and they weigh 20 to 30 pounds, depending on the shooter, and they're like, yeah, there's no way this thing could ever be sub 9 pounds, 8 pounds, whatever it might be. We've built up rifles on the super ultra-lightweight side without optics down below 5 pounds, so if you want to put a little one to eight scope on there you could definitely have a you know five and a half pound rifle yeah well what as far as um this is when i get a lot and i have no answer for anyone like the standard caliber standard build you know it's for both you guys for the you know the, the guy that's going to be hunting you know mule deer elk um occasionally a moose but mostly mule deer and elk what would your build be that you would uh from caliber on up that you would suggest chassis and everything so when it comes to calibers, that's always a huge debate. And I think a lot of people have preferences or uh, just like we were talking earlier before the podcast with optics, like someone might be like, oh, I'll never shoot another seven millimeter. I had an animal get away on me because I shot a seven millimeter. And who knows the full story? They might have like, you know, had a bad shot. They might have completely missed the animal and didn't even know they missed the animal. But when it comes to like an all around caliber standpoint, I think most people should over caliber it gives you a little more insurance a little more you know energy behind the bullet to where if you do have a bad wing call or your rifle dope isn't actually calibrated where your elevation hold is off a little bit you know it gives you that insurance so the seven millimeters the 30 cals are going to be the most popular and what i would recommend for most getting into it but i would definitely pick a lot more of your modern cartridges that a are going to perform better and b there's going to be a lot better ammunition. So Grant earlier mentioned that, you know, these factory 6.5 and 300 PRCs are shooting lights out. Well, I think a lot of that's because they put a lot more development and the process of making the ammunition has came a long way where, yeah, you know, 10 years ago, you go and pick up a box of Remington core locks and it's shooting a five inch group at a hundred and you're like, good to go. That's the size of the heart, you know? So ammunition has came a long way. And if you can get it where it's readily available and just shoot a lot right you know i mean again trigger time so you don't want to go and decide to build a 6555 swede that you might only be able to have one box of ammunition on your local store and not be able to test different ammunition that's going to work better because when they're loading them with different weight bullets different powders different primers brass at all all the components of the cartridge affect it so sometimes one guy could say oh man this nozzler ballistic tip shoots well through my rifle you should try it it might not shoot well through your rifle and that's why people say they're picky so the the chassis side of things you know hunting the element 3.0 magnesium by far is what you need to go with on the calibers the new 6.5 prc is an awesome cartridge you can do everything you need it to do in north america as long as you have good shot placement and you're not trying to go extreme long range and if you're not looking to be shooting super far, you know, that's where you can start tailoring the scope to your style. But I know Grant, I mean, I think he sees a lot more of the trends. So this year, the 6.5 PRC, the 300 PRC, popular new cartridges. Everyone wants them. Go back two, three years ago, before that was even around, what, Nosler's? 28 Nosler. Yeah. And 28 Nosler, 6.5 Creed was still very popular, which it still is. But totally. I believe the the six five PRC is definitely definitely gonna take over the creed a little bit. Um, but it, as far as as far as the six five calibers, and I even I even found myself uh, a couple years ago 
you know, saying the the six five is too small, and in a roundabout way, it's it's all about shot placement. If the shot isn't put in the right place, it's not going to perform anyways. And just just like Matt said, the larger calibers do give just a little bit more assurance. I shot a deer uh, two years ago, 600 yards, happened fast. It was a really good buddy of mine and I, and we didn't check wind, didn't hold wind. And uh, another reason, uh, my brother and I have we've we've done this done this for years now, and it, it's great having someone that sees everything exactly like you because if my brother was there he would have checked wind one of us would have thought about it but it just happened fast we didn't check wind we didn't hold wind and I ended up I was holding high shoulder and I drifted about six inches right shot the deer in the neck and this was with a 6.5284 and shot him right in front of the neck right in front of the shoulder high neck the deer tipped over backwards dropped and I, I've seen animals get spine shocked previously. So I racked another round and stuck behind the rifle. And sure enough, that deer got back up about a minute and a half later and got back up and took off with a full head of steam. And we, we never found him. In a situation like that, it's hard to say whether a bigger 30 cal bullet would have, would have had enough behind it to maybe break that deer's neck or expand a little bit more and, and do more damage. But it, it's all about shot placement my dad used to tell me that a guy that he's seen kill kill more elk than the plague was it it killed them all with a 243 and it's just comes down to shot placement preference there's guys that absolutely hate six fives there's guys that love 30 cows there's guys that run them both i run them both my brother runs both matt matt runs them both it depends (laughs) on the distance you're really planning on shooting that's why we built you the six five prc because i knew you weren't going to be going and trying to shoot elk at a thousand yards with avery Avery likes the 30s and 338s, and in right That's mind, because he should. he's fucking fat, and he can't get any closer, <laughs> Avery. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, I get people like call me all the time with the caliber debates, and I just, man, is, if you get into like competition shooting and actual where like every single quarter of an inch matters, sure, yeah, different calibers can be beneficial. But when someone's like, okay, I'm down to my two calibers, and I can't make up my mind, should I go with the 30 Nosler or the 300 PRC? it's not going to fucking matter. Like they're both going to do about the same thing. Like one person's going to have a preference maybe because of reloading experience or tunability. One might be more forgiving. Like there's certain calibers that are just all around better when it comes to reloading. But I will say, I, so I've told seven people that the build and, you know, killers and they all came back because I, we made fun of for this. I didn't even know what the fucking 6.5 PRC was. I knew a Creedmoor because I see man bun comments about it all the time. But, <laughs> yeah. But I knew a, a Creedmoor just from going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Creedmoor life. Yeah. <laughs> Heading, uh, you know, taking out sheep hunters. Creedmoor is a very popular round for mule deer and sheep, um, even even goat. Um, but I'd asked these guys and I gave the build and all of them said that is a perfect caliber for me specifically. They're like 600 yards and in, which is about where I'm going to shoot, maybe occasionally, you know, pushing it out. But that distance, the animals I'm shooting. And I asked the one guy, I was like, dude, would you hunt with this for elk? And he's like, I am hunting the elk with that. He was like, you know, for him and the build specifically, he's like, is it the chosen preferred caliber? Not for most people. He's like, but it'll kill the shit out of an elk. He said, without issue, because, you know, accuracy is the one thing. But backpack hunting, he's like, dude, you're packing that fucker in. And he said, anybody can say, oh, I would shoot this caliber in this build are probably not packing that 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 specific gun into the backcountry five, six, seven miles. Where for me, that's it, that's the same weight as that's lighter than my compound and not much heavier than my stick bow. My stick bow is five pounds, so I mean that thing's only two pounds heavier than yeah. my stick bow, so not a big deal, and it's very compact. So from a greenhorn standpoint. I, I was pr- pretty excited with every all you know everything you guys came up with. I think Tanya killed quite a few elk with with her PRC. Yeah, and I think Ryan's using it every once in a while as well. I, yeah. I think Ryan's coming out of the closet on that. Like <laughs> yeah. he likes so Tanya has the Mickey Mouse chassis. Yeah, and it's yeah six five PRC and we'll bash the six fives. But I think at heart he actually shoots it more than her. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he'll come around to the Creedmoor side though. He's no. always talking shit. Uh, what the one thing I was thinking with my my daughter and my wife both just screwing around they they're both into archery but haven't really screwed around with guns the recoil on that thing is probably pretty much non-existent so a good gun for them to to screw around with as well obviously which is important because you know neither I really wouldn't want them to fire you know something that's going to blast their shoulder off and not really 
you know, give them more or less trigger panic out of the gate from the recoil where that thing, as I understand it, basically is non-existent. Yeah, especially with a good muzzle device like what Grant put on there. Those MBM brakes are awesome. And like you said, that's that's key on not having bad habits formed from the beginning because of too much recoil. Like my dad started me off on a 3-06, killed you with it, killed my first ball at 12. It was all good and dandy, but I definitely know I formed bad habits from a heavier recoiling rifle than I needed at that age. So and same with like optics. I think people get too hung up on sometimes on optics. Like you want it to be reliable and you need it to be simplistic on the reticle. Like I'll have hunters come to me like, okay, so I'm looking at this mill XT reticle from night force and all this. And I need to make the change to mills. Cause my buddy told me, I'm like, okay, when are you going to actually be holding elevation and holding wind out at distance? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, okay, you don't know what that means. You don't need that. Sounds like the questions the I get for archery. Like, <laughs> ask back and they're like wait what and i'm like oh you read that shit on a forum and yeah. you're repeating it oh, oh I, I, I know where we're standing now like we can start <laughs> over again but and it, and it happens frequently i'm sure both on uh both sides of the fence as far as that goes because and i i say frequently picking fly shit out of chili but truly i like first time i asked pinch about a build you know i'm like hey out to five or six hundred what caliber he's like whatever i was like really and he's like dude you <laughs> He's like, that's not ultra long range. He said, build it for, for what you're the, basically what you did, the, um, you know, packing it in overall accuracy, weight, so on and so forth. And same shit happens with the archery guys will, you know, spend seven hours in their mom's basement calculating numbers and, but can't hit a fucking stop sign at 30 yards. And I'm like, well, you got an extremely dangerous arrow that will miss the animal cause you can't shoot for shit. So it seems like everything has to kind of equal out ability as far as what they put into the tech side of it as well. So it sounds like you guys deal with that same thing then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Frank, when are we going to go shoot? Whenever you want to go. <laughs> I, got a, gonna... I got a rifle bear tag this year for uh, the early season. So Oh, that'll be good. It'll be interesting. Maybe carry both a bow and a gun at the same time. Is yeah. that allowed? Is that allowed? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can, I think we got to wear. What if I? What if I get mixed up and I shoot? Just don't shoot me. Yeah. Shoot the wrong animal with a gun. <laughs> no, I'm as, just kidding. As far as from a unskewed perspective, I mean, I obviously run the chassis. Matt builds the chassis, but Frank, I know you've ran one for a while now. What do you think? I like it, man. I, I shoot a lot of predators every year, and I've always used an AR. So I think that ergonomically, it with the vertical grip and it doesn't have to be vertical you have all the different options but i think ergonomically it's been awesome and then the thing i like the most is you can adjust the cheek height on some of the stocks you can adjust the length of pull and stuff so you can get it dialed in perfectly and then as far as accessories go like matt was saying i fucked up my uh hs precision i think it was the, the stock i cracked that stock where i was trying to put on a rail well with these you can just put on a uh, a rail and um, an adapter for the for the tripod, all that stuff. So, the the accessories. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of a no brainer for me. I like yeah, it. Proper fitment's huge. Like again, it's all relative. It's all the same. Like how many times have you guys had some come out that's like, hey, I need your help. I'm having issues shooting bows, and they pull back, and you're like, okay, just stop. Like your draw length's way too long for you. We need to break this down from ground zero before you even shoot. So if they are not properly fit behind the rifle to where they can get good eye relief consistency consistency is accuracy so chassis definitely help with that stocks you can order custom length stocks and different combs but you might be waiting a year out <laughs> and as far as the chassis go i've we've built some rifles for some youth hunters and it's just it's awesome to you know build a build a rifle for a kid that's eight or nine years old and as he grows Put the, you know, say we're building off of the magnesium 3.0, put the TR2 buttstock on it. You have full adjustability all the way around. As that kid grows, you can just move that length of pull in or out and adjust it exactly to him. And um, it's, they, I mean, they're just the versatility of them makes it, makes it pretty amazing. We get, uh, we get a bunch of people. It's funny. There's, there's kind of the little bit more old school. It's almost like there's an age cutoff that, guys that are any guys over 50 and it totally depends on personal preference but typically guys that are you know 45 50 years old that have, had been hunting with a traditional stock for so long see the chassis and they're like there's no way absolutely no way and then they come in and they hold one and they get a feel for it and they throw it up and it's super light it folds and then they're kind of like oh i see you know i see why people are going to this where you're coming from well i always get the complaint of 
right away. They're like, yeah, but it's going to be really cold in wintertime. I'm like, yeah, I hear you, man. But like, I've had guys like Luke Moffitt is Rander stuff for a long time and Luke Connor, both the Lukes in Alaska. And like Moffitt did a bunch of uh, testing on it all the way down to like 50 below, I want to say. And yeah, he said it wasn't enjoyable, but when are you hunting in 50 below without weather gloves. <laughs> and without gloves? And even if it's sub freezing and you're in 20 degree weather, again, yeah, you're not going to be actually a, hopefully carrying the rifle by bare hand. And why are you carrying the rifle? Like for me, I don't necessarily hunt in terrain that I'm Elmer fighting through the woods where I need the rifle in my hand every single second. Like it's going to be strapped to your pack or on a sling. And then when you're setting up for the, the shot, like Aaron said earlier, like it's not usually super super fast like you might have an archery like you should have some time to set up to where you can take your glove off that's just your trigger hand which then you're putting it on either rubber or carbon fiber or something so i don't know i don't have an issue with the cold weather stuff but i bet i put more rounds through this at wounded game guiding in texas than I do anything. <laughs> yeah. that's no shit uh, the three animals i shot last year with a gun were wounded because i grabbed scott's wife's gun which is a because sh- i had to lean way back on it but yeah, I was talking to Scott about that. The the one thing nice with our dad and, and Whitetail, um, you know, in the season, our dad's any weapon, any time is you do get one, a guy that, that, you know, puts one in a not so happy place that I can, you know, grab that thing and, and take off after him. And it's lightweight. I can fly through those cliffs with that and then obviously be accurate out to a pretty good distance with it. So that was, I told Scott, I was like, yeah, dude, this thing may come in a lot handier than we thought initially. Cause, um, I mean, Last year, I, I hit a whitetail at like 185 yards on a dead run, um, trying to put it down. It was wounded from a bow kill before it went on a private or land we didn't have permission on. And I had his wife's gun. She's a midget, right? I <laughs> never shot the gun where at least this thing, you know, I can have it ready to go and be set up for me. So I, I would I would bet I put more, more uh, animals down shooting people's wounded animals than I do putting my own animals down initially. And it's perfect for that too, especially in those cliffs. Have you been down there? A little bit. Yeah. It's a, yep. it's a shit show. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy hunting out dad. Have you been on any of those hunts? I've done over the counter all day in New Mexico a couple of times and it's, yeah, you know, super cliffy, nasty, jagged stuff, but you don't see big stuff. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, uh, I, what is that? What's the, what, what's the heaviest gun you guys have built? Oh man, it depends. So we build things all the way up into like the 50 BMG and larger stuff. Um, yeah, why didn't you get one of those? Yeah, <laughs> we we did. Yeah, let's uh, go Kyle hunt, Frank. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to build him everything after this. Yeah, we we did yeah, a, no Kyle before I was there. He did a chassis for the Navy on some special contract. He had to sign a NDA and everything, and it was a 20.9 SPC or something. It was pretty much a 20 Vulcan neck down, which like your military, so I'm sure you know that. And yeah, just the rifle itself just dwarfed any human being. Like Anders would look like a midget next to this rifle. Like it's, yeah, I don't know what it weigh, but some of the 50s, I mean, guys build up to, and they're going to be, yeah, anywhere in the 40 to 60 pound rifle range. But most of your, most of your common stuff, like just short action, long action, they rarely get much over 30 pounds and that's more in the competition side. Um, hunting, like I know guys that carry 16, 17 pound rifles cause they want to shoot the big three thirty eights, And yeah, they're like, you know, they're like Avery, they're going to lay down on a ridge line and they, they're set up to actually shoot something at a thousand comfortable to do thousand yard shots on animals with a sub eight pound rifle. Not saying people can't do it, but you are putting yourself to a disadvantage in my opinion, um, there's plenty of people out there that are way more experienced and knowledgeable than I am, but oh, I've packed some of those lowland fucking canyons up to the glassing point with, with Avery. And I'm like, what the hell? I mean, cause they are, I mean, 18 to doesn't, know, uh, Idaho pounds. have like a weight restriction now yeah, before 16. that reason. Yeah. For yeah. that reason. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you guys know this is, I think it's a national pastime to shoot rocks in yeah. Idaho. Um, rock hunting. stop at lunch, shoot a rock, stop on the road, shoot a rock. I'd never known that rock hunting was that big of a deal, but it's a, that is a national pastime in Idaho. I don't, is it in Western Colorado? Are you guys rock shooters? Holy shit. <laughs> There's times we definitely shoot some rocks. I mean, we're, we actually just got a new range that's getting developed out there in uh, Cameo, which you guys should come down and do some shooting with us there. It's pretty badass. But, uh, prior to that, yeah, there wasn't, you know, much. Yeah. We got all this desert surrounding us. So people just go out and just shoot rocks in the cliffs all the time. And, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that Avery actually asked me to go on their little spring bear hunt this year and I couldn't make it happen, but I was I was excited to shoot some rocks with him. I like talking to my phone. He's a good dude. He's funny. Oh, he's one of my best friends. I, he literally he makes me laugh cuz he 
I'll just tell you a couple of my long range scenario situations with Avery that did not go over well. Um, he dropped me off the one time with the, um, the range finder, uh, the square, what looks like an old Bushnell and tells you the G seven, G seven, yeah, the G seven from Gunworks, And the gun I had been shooting, I think was, um, 10 MOA for, for full crank. And the one he gave me when I hiked in was 12. And so, you know, I ranged a bear. I can't remember how far it was, but it was out there. And I, I can shoot fine. I mean, I don't have any issue. I've never had any issue with somebody else sets the gun up. I can hit whatever you tell me to. So I didn't look. I just, in full crank, full crank, added a little. And I'm like, huh, it's fucking two feet over. That thing's back. <laughs> like, what did I do? So I fired another one down and bear ran off. And then Avery came in later and he's like, I don't know how you missed. And, and I told him what I did. He's like, you're a fucking idiot. And I'm like, well, what? And he goes, well, I think it was a, a Vortex and it was 10. And then I had a Night Force and it was 12 MOA per pull. Does that sound right? Or maybe ask backwards. So I had dialed in eight plus extra MOA, not counting because I added four the first time plus a little. And then the next time, you'll really laugh at this. I told this story yesterday where he had a moose tag. And um, when I walked out to 10, it was a blizzard, right? I strapped a pack and I was going to go try and shoot whitetail. And they said, hey, make sure and zero out uh, the scope because they had shot long range and it was on 18 MOA. So I it had a stop, right? So I, I cranked down the elevation. And for whatever fucking reason, I started cranking on the windage. <laughs> and after a second, I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, I wonder where it was, you know? And I'm like, eh, probably this far. So I get and this giant, you know, whitetail comes out and i texting him. I'm like, hey, what? what's the, the zero of the, the windage? And they're like, it's the zero. What do you mean, what's the zero? I'm like, no, no, where's this thing fucking set at? Like, where do I put it? And they're like, oh, we just set it. And I'm like, you didn't make a mark or anything? And they're like, no. And I'm like, huh. So I took several shots and didn't hit shit. And I think they said I was 11 feet off. I had cranked it that much at that distance. And so I think the next go round with long range shooting, uh, they had I had had a rifle that they were shooting long range with and... Um, they'd left it dialed and I was on a road and this is, you know, like an 18 pound cannon and the, the deer's coming to me. So I just kind of picked it up in the prone and laid and waited and I shot it at like 30 yards. I think it was set up for 1800 and I blew its head off. <laughs> I, and I was like, what the hell? Well, it was on whatever the hell it was on. So anyway, we came to the conclusion real quick. I should probably stick to a bow or put a little more effort into long range shooting. And that is a, I tell that story all the time because that's a prime example of guys grabbing a rifle and heading out and thinking they know what they're doing or, or whatever. And I just don't have enough time behind a, a gun. Now, if they set up the gun for me, I can shoot it, but it's still false sense of hope because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing after that. Like I got a Kestrel now for testing with archery and even that like just screwing around trying to figure out wind calls especially in colorado the wind could change seven times if you're shooting at a thousand yards uh you know from one place to another as far as what canyons you're shooting over so there's a lot lot to it but yeah, it tools, what, what kind of tools are you guys using apps and kestrels and all that shit what range finders there's I, I mean there's hundreds of ballistic calculators out there i run streelock it's it's a great app. Um, it seems to be super accurate, and it's for for me. It's what's worked. I know there's a lot of people that run different ones. I've ran different ones, but that's just one that is super easy to use. And what what do you use, Matt? Yeah, I know there's a lot. I mean, as far as on a phone, like you got ballistic. Um, it's just straight up called ballistic. You got um, I snipes Hornady. 40F. The one I've been actually using a lot, which you can pay for, and I can't think of the name of it. I think but they I were use using it. Bullet Flight is what they had at that yeah, time. Yeah, Bullet Flight. I use Ballistic Arc, which I pay for that one because I can save ranges. So I can go shoot at a range down here in Denver and actually save all the targets and whatnot and come back and know all those distances. As far as hunting, I actually carry a, a Garmin Vortex 701, which is nice because it's kind of a little bit of a backup mapping system. But then I can just quickly scroll through it and it's a little like miniature armband deal and have my full dope chart. I can even preset like certain distances. So if I'm going to kind of sniper out up on a ridge line, I can range a bunch of different pockets or areas I think animals might be coming into. I can range them, set that distance for like pocket one, pot you can name them and whatnot. And then I have the dope relatively close. I always, if I can try to double check and actually get true range on animal, especially if it's going to be extended distance. I 
personally don't try to yeah, go past 600 myself, but uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot really, I, no matter what ballistic program you're running, whether it be on your phone or a device like a Kestrel, which Kestrels are awesome. I personally don't own one, but, um, you still need to actually what we call calibrate it. So a, the ballistic coefficient on whether it be factory ammunition, what they give you, or, you know, just bullets for hand loading, like that's subjective of what they found in their specific rifle they were shooting. So everyone's going to have a different BC that you need to true the BC. Uh, some people have the misconception of like truing the velocity, but with today's modern uh, chronographs, like if you run a good magneto speed or lab radar, they're going to give it to you within a few feet per second. And that's a constant. So like when we travel to go shoot matches, we're always checking our velocity because it will sometimes change and that you always need to have accurate in your ballistics calculator, but the BC you true by shooting at distance. So if you put your velocity in, you know, it's relatively accurate or should be really accurate and you shoot out at 1200 yards, 13, 14, whatever it might be, the further, the better you can then start manipulating those BC numbers to then have it line up. So you want to be able to go and like draw water lines on targets and see if you're hitting high or low. So if you can spend a little bit of time actually calibrating your rifle at distance and your ballistics calculator actually lines up and you put all the correct stuff in there, you're solid. There's tons of free apps for phones that do great jobs. And as soon as you as soon as you have everything verified, there's a lot of rangefinders now. Um, I personally run the Leica 2700 or like my brother runs the SIG Kilo 2400. There's a lot of rangefinders out there that you can program your ballistic data and that whichever gun you're shooting, like mine is up to four different rifles. You can program in the four different ballistics for all of those. And then, you you know, say you're running your 6.5 PRC, select the 6.5 PRC, and then everywhere you click and range, it'll click, range, 685 yards, wait a second, it'll pop up 10.5 minutes, 11 minutes. That nice RF I have does that. I think it does up to 14 different uh, options. And obviously I haven't messed with it too much because I use it for archery, but I, I think I have one, I have one loophole, I have that Zeiss, and then I think, man, I think I have a Leica that does the same thing. I've never screwed around with them. I always just talk with Pinch as far as like, hey, dude, what do you use? And I know he likes that Zeiss right now from what I understand, but I know on some of those distances, I had to put that fucker on a tripod to get it accurate and get it to, to range correctly. And I, uh, I actually had built kind of a attachment to attach it to the bino so i could just pop my head to the right and it was still on the same you know same spot and then in range it just to stabilize it but the technology and range finders nowadays is unbelievable if you look at it for even from 10 years ago it's pretty state-of-the-art but what um as far as uh price wise guys were asking that like what what does that build right there cost totally without you know without the scope so that build with without optics is pretty much what we've came up with as our apex model rifle and uh, building with, we either have the Apex Standard or the Apex Titanium. And that the Apex Titanium, uh, with which is with the components we chose for yours, it's retail forty six ninety five. Um, the Apex Standard is retail thirty nine ninety five. Pretty much the two differences. What you're changing is just the action and the break, going from titanium components to standard components. It ends up in that platform right there. You end up being just about a pound heavier. Um, with the with the standard action and break. So that's extremely uh, competitive, just from all the different builds I've I've looked at. Where do you, where do you guys kind of stand as far as you know pricing? Because from I've seen builds like that uh, closer to six thousand fifty seven hundred. Um, you know, obviously, you know, looking at it, everything pretty much being equal. But are you guys pretty close on that then? So it it is such a competitive market at this point that there's I mean there's so many people building custom rifles. And, and with, you know, the b bigger companies where, you know, if you were to buy something like that from the from the larger companies, such as like Gunworks or something, I mean, it's going to run you well, I don't think anybody was going to be buying anything from Gunworks for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's they're, they're It's unbelievable what they're what they're charging for them. Um, I, I mean, it's you're paying. That was one of them. Gunworks was over six uh, for one of the builds I looked at. That was pretty For cool. something comparable like that, as far as components and everything going, I mean, before optics, they're going to be closer to 10. Yeah. They, yeah they, it was a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, but they but yeah, put we that just... money into taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Too uh, soon. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, ideal, like, 
Grant obviously buys the chassis from Rice. So I got dealers all across the world that do custom rifles. And I, I would say on average, they're definitely around five. Yeah. Um, they go up and down depending on the components used. And if it's steel barrels, carbon barrels, steel actions, titanium actions, so on and so on. But I always get asked, especially from friends that are a little more novice, they're like, why would I ever do that? Like my Browning X-Bolt has always done me great. And it's just like bows. Like I tried doing my own bow stuff. I'm not super into it. And I finally got frustrated always having issues. Take it to a shop. They make it right to me. I shoot. I get a lot better results, right? So should I know more about bows? Should I be able to do my own stuff? Absolutely. I'm sure I should. But when it comes to rifles, if you're not going to put a ton of time into actually educating yourself on it, buying a custom rifle from Viking Garment is giving you a lot better insurance that that half MOA group would actually be a three MOA group at 100 if you were just shooting something that's a factory rifle so it, it is worth it i know we kind of bashed it a little earlier where the whole thousand yard out of the box thing you, if you're talking distance you still need to put the time into actually shooting but when you have a custom rifle you see the results a lot yeah, i've seen a lot of five and six hundred yard misses i mean shit canning a thousand um i mean four to six hundred yards for a guy like me is fucking far like when you're used to you know 100 yards your stock is starting and then you look at something out there at four you know three even three but four five and six it it takes a quite a bit of skill even at that distance so i you know guys ask me all the time and i'm like before you know i always try to get to two to three hundred yards off of a like a fact like a tika right like you probably shouldn't be pushing and not a lot of people like the the tika although i've seen those magazines break a lot is that a common thing with a tika that magazine breaking is that something you guys I know uh i mean yeah they can you're when you come to your factory mags whether it be from tika savage ruger whatever like certain rifles come with steel mags certain rifles come with plastic mags right so saying like your rifle runs off an aics pattern mag most of them are going to be steel do they have problems sure yeah if they get dirty and whatnot your followers can have problems it's just maintain your gear but yeah if plastic mags whether it be from the cold or just from people dropping shit they're they're gonna break yeah yeah and it was actually a combination of both cold and dropping and and it seemed like you get in that 15 to 18 degree range and drop that it the polymer that they built that out of was probably a cheaper polymer i would assume um and they cracked like it blew into like 20 pieces i i was like holy cow but again i mean for for me coming from the archery side of things knowing you know it it Spending more money is definitely worth it, and you only really have to spend it once unless you become a gun nut or a bow nut. But, you know, you buy it once, and it lasts for a long, long time compared to, uh, you know, other cheaper options. You're not as accurate, and it's not going to probably last you as long, and it's only going to go down downhill in accuracy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It'll be it'll be cool. I think we're going on an elk hunt, and again, owl dad. It's probably good I didn't have that with me for my on-dad hunt last year. I missed 11 times before I killed one, so probably about <laughs> missed three. I would have been like, give me that fucking gun and shot something in the face because I was so pissed. But, the, uh, the yeah, the bill, I'm excited about it, and I had a ton of questions about it. So I will be directing all to you guys because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But anyway, you guys got anything you want to add? Oh, we appreciate you having us on. We're stoked to be able to get the build in your hands. I've, Like I said, I've heard over a handful of podcasts, especially when you guys were talking about Frank's Rifle Hunt, that you were thinking about getting one built. So I figured might as well make it happen so you have it available. I by no means expect you to make the full switch and drop bows from your life. <laughs> but just another tool in the bucket for you to go use at certain times of years, at certain hunts. And like you said, if it comes down to be able to use it for putting animals down, it's good it's there for you to be able to do it and not know that animal's off running wounded. Oh yeah, yeah. I like I said, I, I there will probably now that I've got that we'll we'll schedule more rifle hunts, at least a couple. I think people get kind of an idea. And Frank and I've talked about this before, like I, I'm not you know, I'll hold out as long as I can on an expensive hunt with a, a bow and, and, and I've proven that where most guys if you bring in a bow and a gun, you should just leave the fucking bow at home. You're gonna shoot it with a gun where I'll I'll push it, but in the end, a lot of those hunts are expensive and if I just can't get it done with a bow, I'll I'll put it down with a rifle. But we're in a position now, timeline, where we can you know, we got a lot of our opportunities, so definitely try to schedule at least one or two rifle hunts in a, a year. And Frank, you've got a couple this year, don't you? Bear and elk and Probably antelope and probably white-tailed doe. Yeah. yeah, I got a, quite a few. Yeah, yeah. I like so, rifle hunting. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, just don't let Pinch see it. I think he's been eyeing them for a while. I'll probably try to steal <laughs> it from you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It. Um, I'm actually going. Um, yeah, on a a, a rifle hunt. Uh, 
mountain goat rifle and I'll have to talk to what see what that guy's using I'm gonna help him out but I do have a question how did you turn out so opposite of your brother he seemed a little bit more low-key yeah Was he so, held more well, you've learned or? from his mistakes well, I think that's <laughs> I, I, I think that's that's the majority of the reason why I'm a little more low-key because if I wasn't low-key that uh, we would probably be in jail yeah or <laughs> somebody had to be would, the voice of reason the world would burn down um he's definitely a full-time job keeping track of <laughs> Yeah, he's a fucking and, uh, riot, though. He, he's yeah, a he's guy. a he's a fireball all yeah. the time. Who's older? He is. He's How two much? years? Two years. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he's. <laughs> I was telling Matt some stories on the way here. He's definitely he's a handful. <laughs> well, I've, I've. It's funny because there's people. Frank and I try to get along with not everybody, but most guys. And there's guys that your brother fucking hates. Oh, and he lets him know. Oh yeah, he's not a he's not afraid to let anybody know if he doesn't like him. And I've told I've been like, nah, he's all right. He's cool with me. (laughs) Fuck that guy. I'm like, oh no, I've seen it. I'm like, I've I've witnessed what you're saying. It's I'm like, but no, he's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, he is a he is a trip. He's funnier than hell. (laughs) That's what I was telling Matt on the way here. If you if you put it put a hundred questions on a sheet and had us answer them, you know, 99 of them are going to be the same exact answer. <laughs> you know, we see, we see everything exactly eye to eye. And I've been really fortunate as far as hunting and everything goes over the years to have that hunting partner. That is everything's the, you know, everything's the same. We see eye to eye. We, we know exactly what's going on at all times. And, uh, it's, it's been good to be able to kind of even, even each other's personalities out to where, I think, yeah, he, he is wound up all the time and I'm, I'm there to like bring him down a little bit, but if, uh, different personalities, definitely, definitely even themselves out. Yeah. He's funnier than hell. Definitely more cut from the same cloth than, than, that I am than, than, than others. And I've had to tone it down a bit, uh, well, probably more than a bit. I mean, Frank gets to hear the realism of it and not as I'm cussing in my office, but I've gotten better. The good thing with Frank is, Frank, you don't say much at all, which is good. I mean, you do between the two of us, <laughs> but overall, I mean, Frank's fairly calm, um, especially with the way the industry is nowadays and the bullshit stories and what you see and hear and then what you find out and you know. Funny thing with your brother is you're he's definitely going to not have an issue with Letting you know. Yes, which I I think is awesome, especially 100%. from it's like uh it's like people watching in Boulder just stand back and watch him work because you're gonna get some laughs. But well, just I'd don't like get, to see your brother get, in Boulder actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, it's not good. All it comes down to is people get too butt hurt too easily. Like very sensitive culture right yeah. now. Yeah, very sensitive. Yeah. On that note, did we say anything we need to edit? You no, guys were good. Not today. Yeah. You said something <laughs> funny this morning. I can't remember what it was, but. I was surprised with on a on an Owdad hunt. I wore a Trump hat. Yeah, I I think I lost like 180 followers that day, and then I had people um, letting me know they weren't going to buy a Kafaru yeah. product and what product they were going to buy. And I'm like, so let me get this right. That thing's made in China. They vote for Trump, but they haven't said it. And you're going to buy that piece of shit over ours because I wore a hat. I was I was super surprised at like because I don't give a shit who you vote. I mean, vote for whoever yeah. you want, but. Man, the world divided. It's, it's I think. Uh, I think the funniest thing about all of the sensitivity and all that stuff is like America was founded on people having their own opinions and being able to voice their own opinions. But when you have a different opinion than somebody, yeah, then they're wrong. like, "If you don't agree with this, unfriend me." Yeah. Like, what the, <laughs> you well, then what's me. the what's yeah. the point of living in America then? Yeah. What, if you can't have your own opinion and 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 whatever. on the way here, that's what Garrett told me and Matt. He's like, he's like, finally, I think I've really cold my followers down. <laughs> because he, he's like before all the riots and Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and blah 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 before all that started he's like I I think I still had some that were on the fence he's like but now they for sure unfollow me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah for humor should we should we shout out your your brother's page as we talk about uh, your two pages <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> uh, where can guys uh, find you uh, you know where where can they get a hold of you see some of the work all that type of stuff. So as far as uh, Viking Armament, we have a Viking Armament Instagram, Facebook website um, reaching me personally, uh, Grant G928 on Instagram, my brother for comedy, Garrett G926, and then... Yeah, xlrindustries.com, and then just xlrindustries on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, no one probably wants to even follow me on social media. I'm not very exciting. <laughs> kind of like Frank. I'm a pretty quiet dude, so you can just look at XLR Industries. It's a lot more exciting. Also, everybody, definitely go give Dillinger River Outfitters a follow. Um, I'm 
able to be a part of that operation up in Alaska. Uh, the guy, Aaron DeRose, who actually owns Viking Armament, also owns Dillinger River Outfitters in Alaska. And it's a awesome, awesome company, awesome operation up there, um, killing world-class moose, great doll sheep. Um, it's just, just an amazing operation. Got great success rates, great camp, good people involved. Um, so if you're are they just doing uh, moose and in uh, in doll then? We or? do moose, moose, caribou, doll, grizzly, everything. But definitely the main priority hunts are moose and doll sheep. I think Grant just invited us three on a calm hunt, didn't he? Is that what you guys <laughs> <Yeah>. heard? <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, take grizzly and doll. Thank yeah. you, Grant. No Such kidding. a generous man. And, you guys and use our shelters and yeah, stuff too, right? Yeah, you'll be staying. You'll be staying in a in a twelve man kafara TP up there. I need to kill a doll sheep soon. I uh, I actually booked a hunt for doll with, with clay, but I um, I'm gonna try and do it with a the stick bow. So we'll see how how that goes. Those aren't the easiest things to get close to. So, the gun may come out. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we we had a guy last year, that he uh, he actually showed up to showed up to the lodge and he said guns are for girls and gays. And on the fourth day, he's like. Where's the gun? Give me the gun. <laughs> Did you remind him of what he said? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm so, sure. So, yeah, he ended up, because he got, had a stockable position on the ram, he ended up killing every single day, and uh, just, it was in this big scree slope basin, there was, it was very, very hard to get close, super technical, and the wind was swirling every day, and it was just, he, he I mean, he made the best of it for three and a half days, but then he... <laughs> finally gave in yeah yeah it uh, it definitely takes commitment because you could blow seven or eight stocks before you get to where you can shoot one and the problem is you may not get seven or eight stocks uh that's the that's the problem but i don't know what's the average length of one of those hunts 10 days or something so yeah they're all they're all 10 day hunts um last year i believe our our longest sheep hunt last year was a 10 day uh the one that was a 10 day the hunter actually uh on the third day missed a ram um Mr. Ram three times, uh, all under 300 yards and then hunted, you know, seven more days and grinded it out. Awesome dude. Uh, I believe he's coming back, but it, that was our longest sheep hunt. As far as moose goes, all of our moose hunters were done within, within the first three days last year, we had 12 moose hunters, all 12 filled. I believe the average moose was 62 inches or 63 inches, all big world-class bulls. Um, they're, it's a awesome, awesome operation for moose and what sheep. Are the, what do the moose hunts and the doll sheep hunts go for? So I believe the, and don't, don't quote me on this, but I, I believe the moose hunts are 24-5 right now, or 25, and uh, doll sheep are right around that 20 range. Gotcha. That's, that's about what you're going to pay no matter, you know, what you go plus or minus. I think um, the clay, they're 28 for, for doll and 24 for uh, moose so a little bit more and it's expensive logistically it's just an epic pain in the it's, ass that's what we've had guys that actually uh, you know multiple guys that have came and hunted with us that in the beginning they're like the holy shit i don't know how i'm spending this much for this and then they show up and they hunt and see the operation and all the planes and the argos and the rangers and where the the lodges where we're about 135 miles from anchorage and we're in the alaskan range at the base of denali and there's absolutely zero access as far as vehicle goes. It's all plane access. Um, Aaron had some, some Argos and some Rangers dumped in by a sky van. And so just being able to access country from our lodge, from base camp, out of the, out of the Argos and Rangers is awesome. It opens up a whole new opportunity and completely changes the ballgame, especially for moose. Um, it, the majority of our sheep country is all you're getting dumped by a plane or and and spiking out but uh moose it just opens up a whole new world with the argos those argos will go anywhere i drove one for literally three and a half days straight off of the northern part of the nwt and i think i only got it stuck once those things will go anywhere they're they're amazing i drove across a couple rivers which jim shockey made it look way fucking easier than it was, <laughs> that thing started spinning in circles and i'm like this is not like a boat but they do go they go anywhere they're they are amazing um Breaking down wise, way off a gun. How often do you guys break down on those things? So the Argos, um, they're they're brand well, they're not brand new now. They're they're two years old. Um, but Aaron is definitely one. He's not going to have any half-assed equipment at any time. 
And um, if, you know, as soon as those Argos start to get to the point where things he's thinking is going to start breaking and messing up, he'll pull them and replace them with new ones just because if somebody's coming, paying $25,000 on a 10-day hunt and you get halfway to your moose camp and the Argo breaks down, you can't get access by a plane, you got to hike, you know, 8, 10 miles back in the marsh and, you know, nasty country, it, it, it's going to hinder a, a lot of it. And so um, we, we have never had an issue with them. The only issue uh, is that could happen is spinning a track on them. Um, but even if you spin a track, you still got four very capable tires on that side, which is really awesome to have that, have that backup. But, but other than that, there's, I, I mean, they literally will climb a tree They're Yeah. They'll kill you if you're not careful. I found that out personally, just trying to see where they'd go. They will go anywhere. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. They'll, I mean, we drove them across lakes, rivers, swamps, yeah. shit. They'll get hung up on the muskeg, uh, from time to time, um, on those, the bigger muskeg, they'll get hung up, but that's about it. They're pretty amazing. So anyhow, uh, is there anything else we want to cover? <laughs> <laughs> as far as Viking armament goes, um, Viking is a, a little bit, uh, it's, it's about an eight year company. It started, uh, based off strictly AR 15 platform guns. And, uh, Recently, it's under new ownership and management as of about a year and a half ago, um, and I, I kind of jumped into the long gun builds. My brother and I have been doing it our entire lives. It was just something that I wanted to veer towards, so we've teamed up with uh, world-class gunsmiths, world-class load developers, and, and these are guys, I say world-class, these are guys that uh, you know make a 100% living doing it, had, have and had amazing companies uh, back in it. So we've, we've teamed up with the guys to make the, the most optimal, best performing builds we possibly can. And we're, you know, we've got big things coming in the future. And so I guess the chassis aren't world class, huh? That, well, yeah, they're on there. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Sid right here. <laughs> they're, 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 hey, yo. Hey. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's um, funny. I was like, I guess that's just a given he's right in front of you. So uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we already talked about Matt quite a bit. Yeah. No, <laughs> again, guys, yeah, we really appreciate having us down, and we look forward to hearing what you think of the rifle, Aaron. If you ever have questions or you have any of your followers that ask you specifics, whether it be don't they don't know what twist on their barrel they want to go with or specific bullets, just send them our way, and we can get those answers. Well, there's 97 comments right now from my story, so I'm sure you're going to get people pestering you, um, which as long as it's not me, make sure people do not ask me about the gun other than the basic stuff. Cause I, I am not that these guys are the experts. So ask them. So either way, well, I appreciate you guys coming all the way over here. Appreciate you building up the gun and, and definitely we'll, we'll put something down with it soon enough. And, uh, and I will get a hold of you if I have any questions, cause I'm sure I will. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Aaron messes up on dialing in and, uh, Miss, miss ranges, yardages, and windage, it's Frank's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't post that. We'll edit that out. We'll do the standard. That's the great part about Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the Insta group, the Insta hit. <laughs> Nailed it. First shot. Perfect. Oh, shit. All right, cool, guys. Thanks again for everything, and uh, looking forward to that. We'll get you guys back on after a few months, kind of circle back, talk about Yeah, the might have to bring your brother with you. Yeah, yeah. If you want some comedy, we'll bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, thanks again.